Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Story time. A few weeks ago, I was out in the wilderness, having just made a clean shot on a bear. I watched as it tumbled down into a meadow. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style lifeless on a log. I was stationed on a ridge above it and had to navigate a mile around and down a drainage to reach the valley where it lay. Armed with my trusty pistol, I began the descent, leaving my rifle at the entrance of the drainage. The bear hadn't moved for 20 minutes since I had taken my shot from the ridge, but I've learned over the years that you can never be too cautious in the wild. The descent was a bit tricky, 
with the terrain transforming from an obvious path to a confusing expanse of scrub brush, trees, and blueberries. As I was moving through a thicket, my head lowered and my arms working to part the dense foliage, I caught sight of a patch of white fur beneath my boot. I instinctively pulled back my step, and as I regained my composure, I looked down to see a possum, teeth bared and hissing at me. I was taken aback at first, not expecting to encounter a possum at this altitude, but I quickly decided that I didn't want any trouble with a biting creature. A quick shot from my .40 took care of the issue, and my adrenaline was definitely pumping. Just when I thought I had my fill of wildlife encounters for the day, I stepped into another clearing. As I emerged from the undergrowth, I froze. There, just at the edge of the tree line, was a massive creature covered in dark fur. It stood on two legs, easily towering over eight feet tall. The creature was broad and muscular, with arms that hung low and a head that seemed to sit directly on its shoulders. I was a distance away, but I could make out its eyes, two dark points set in a heavily browed face. My heart pounded in my chest as I realized I was looking at what could only be Bigfoot. The creature didn't seem to notice me, or at least didn't acknowledge my presence. It seemed to be foraging, its massive hands pulling at the branches of a tree. I watched in disbelief for a few long moments before the creature moved deeper into the forest and disappeared from sight. As I finally reached the bear, my mind was a whirl of the day's events. I had come out for a bear, and while I did get one, I had also encountered a possum and, most incredibly, sighted Bigfoot. It was a day I knew I would never forget. The story I'm about to tell doesn't involve the wilderness or any backcountry, yet it's one of the creepiest experiences I've ever had. It happened one bright morning when I was rudely awakened from sleep by peculiar sounds resonating from above my head. As I groggily transitioned from the realm of dreams to reality, the noises began to coalesce into a pattern that resembled the heavy thud of adult footsteps in the attic. The audible thuds were so distinct that I initially thought it was the landlord carrying out some maintenance work, or perhaps he'd hired someone to do it. As I shook off the last vestiges of sleep, the sound of the footsteps became more distinct, the rhythm unmistakable. The only issue was, the only entrance to the attic was through my room. And my bedroom door was locked. My heart pounded in my chest as I slowly became fully awake, and then, I heard it again. The thud was directly above me now, as if the intruder had missed a step on a beam. I held my breath, bracing for a body to come crashing through the ceiling, but the crash never came. Instead, a complete and utter silence descended, leaving me in a state of unnerving anticipation. Feeling somewhat shaken, I decided to leave the room and inspect the house from the outside. This was a two-story house situated in a well-populated, respectable neighborhood. I examined the roof and the small vent windows, but everything seemed perfectly normal. The most baffling part was the fact that the only entrance to the attic was in my room. My mind raced to find a logical explanation. Could it have been tree branches falling and rolling off the roof? But the noise I heard was directly above the ceiling, not on the roof. It was as if someone was deliberately treading on the beams until they slipped. Or something else. 
I was armed with my pistol, and I even contacted the landlord, who promptly came over. Together, we opened the attic and climbed up with a flashlight. To our surprise, there was absolutely nothing. The attic was completely empty. What could possibly make such a hefty noise akin to a full-grown man taking large, deliberate steps on the beams? The incident left me baffled and, to this day, I've been unable to explain it. Months later, I encountered a seasoned hunter from the neighborhood, a man who'd spent his life tracking and understanding creatures of the wild. When I shared my experience, his face turned a shade paler. He told me tales of an unknown creature, a being that could climb walls and vanish without a trace, a creature that had been heard but never seen. Could that have been my uninvited guest? To this day, I can't explain it, but the mystery of the unknown creature in my attic continues to haunt me. I'm a police officer and I was always a skeptic. So, it was January of 2001 when I, had an encounter that sent chills down my spine. I came face to face with a tall being, a terrifying figure that brought to mind images of Nosferatu. This particular incident remains one of the scariest experiences I've ever had, and it's an unsolved mystery that continues to haunt me till this day. It was around 2.30 in the morning, and I was driving down a road in Franklin County, Texas. I had just passed under a dimly lit streetlight, the faint light barely sufficient to illuminate my surroundings. That's when I noticed something. There was some movement on the right side of the road, near the cow paths that crisscrossed the area. It seemed like something large had hurriedly crossed my path. Slowing down to roughly 45 miles per hour, I decided to let whatever it was pass me if it intended to cross the road again. But then, an unimaginable sight unfolded before my eyes. What seemed to be a man traveling on all fours abruptly leapt up from the ground and soared over my car. The creature I saw was unlike anything I'd ever encountered. It stood well over 8 feet tall its skin a sickly pale white. The creature's face was distorted, its skin carrying a ghastly glow, its long claws a terrifying sight. Its eyes were a strange mix of yellow and green, its face pronounced with sharp features. Bald with sharp pointy ears, its whitish, deathly bluish skin was reminiscent of Nosferatu, and the creature's face bore an eerie similarity to a vampire bat. Could this have been some sort of ancient creature? akin to a vampire or a demon? Is it prowling these parts, preying on cows or perhaps it's the mysterious chupacabra, known for draining the blood of livestock animals? The questions abound, but answers remain elusive. I have worked many different jobs in my lifetime. Starting as a janitor, I worked on a farm for about two years. At one point later, as a PE teacher in a high school, I was even an officer before eventually moving to New Jersey and eventually getting a job as a park ranger in the Pine Barrens. I'd moved to New Jersey to be closer to my family. The job didn't seem to be hard. I'd work four days a week and I would spend all my time in the park. The other three would be my days off. Now, I haven't worked for the park for a very long time, and I'm about to tell you why. I think I lasted a year and maybe even less than that. I had a series of very strange things happen to me there, 
and the final straw made me quit my job as soon as I got the chance. I began working at Pine Barrens in April of that year. I was introduced to the job and the park by the park services. The place is humongous. It stretches over the area that is 22% of New Jersey. My job was to patrol a certain area, make sure everything was in order. If you've ever visited the Pine Barrens, you would know that abandoned buildings and towns are scattered throughout the park. I would clock in on a Tuesday, work through to Friday, and Saturday through Monday. The first couple of weeks went smooth. I was getting familiar with the woods and my route. The third week was when my first spooky experience happened. It was Thursday evening. I was going my regular route. The park was buzzing with nature sounds. There were no people anywhere that I'd run into that day. I know that sometimes kids like to wander the park at night, looking for ghosts or just a secluded place to hang, but I had not seen any of them either. I was taking little mental notes of my surroundings, and I noticed the humming and buzzing. I couldn't tell where it was coming from at first. I looked around for a few minutes and still nothing. The noise was beginning to get closer, which is when I realized it was sneering me from above. I looked up and saw three bright lights moving in a circle, almost as if they were spiraling down towards me. Instinctively, I ducked and ran as fast as I could. It probably ran for a couple hundred feet before turning around to see the lights were still there. They were not. There was no humming now either. I dropped to the ground, trying to gather my composite and catch my breath. I also tried to make sense of what had happened five minutes prior. I do believe in aliens, even though I never had an encounter before. I had no clue what else that could have been. So, I kind of been in agreement with myself, those were aliens. And I wouldn't think about that anymore. And it was okay for a while. I have never seen those lights after that. My second experience happened about five months after I began working in the park. I was again going on my regular route. It was now about 7 PM. And at this point, since it was October, the sun was getting very low in the sky, and it was getting dark. The route was clear, everything seemed to be in order, until I noticed something lurking behind the trees about a hundred yards away from me. At first, it looked like a person, maybe a man about 5'7". I thought it might have been some college kid playing a prank, trying to scare me. I saw his shoulder peeking behind a tree. I yelled out that nobody is allowed to be in the woods this late in this time of year. He didn't move. Only after I shouted the third time, he had finally moved in front of the tree. I could take a good look at him. When I saw him, I nearly had a heart attack. He was dressed in dirty, torn up clothing, but the most disturbing thing about him was his head, or lack of one, I should say. I looked at him, not knowing if I should ask what he was what happened to him, or just bolt out of there as fast as I could. I didn't either. For a solid three minutes, I froze. Even though I noticed he had begun moving closer to me, I still could not lift a finger. He started running up to me. As he was getting closer, I realized he was also translucent. This was a poltergeist. Now, when it comes to an alien, I'm a believer. When it comes to ghosts, however, I was very skeptical and sarcastic at times that anybody would talk about ghosts, or demons, or any alleged paranormal activity. 
I moved to the right a couple of steps as he was running straight at me, and he just vanished. I turned around to see where he had gone, but there was no trace of him. Only a vapory trail of mist, just what looked like a cloud of dust almost settling. After that second incident, I decided that all my love for nature in the outdoors, and as much as I loved being a ranger, staying here was not worth it. This hot mess of a place was not worth me going literally insane for, trying to keep working there. I called in the next day and explained the situation. They told me that something like this had already happened for their previous rangers. They tried to convince me to stay on the job for longer and doubled my pay, but I refused. I would not risk losing my own mind. Back in 2003, I was part of a seasoned hunting troop of 21 people. We were out in the wilderness, looking for elk. Our journey led us to a cave near a national park, an unexpected finding on our hunting expedition. As we ventured into the cave, something peculiar started happening. Our flashlights flickered erratically, and the GPS devices we carried for navigation began to malfunction. The cave was more than just an empty hole in the mountainside. We discovered a hidden tunnel, a small, obscured passageway that lead to an expansive cavern. The moment we entered the cavern, a chilling sensation washed over us. The air felt heavy, charged with an oppressive presence that caused an inexplicable surge of fear in even the bravest amongst us. Our instincts screamed at us to leave, but the explorer in us kept us rooted. Then we saw it. A figure, tall and pale, a grotesque distortion of the human form, standing at the edge of our light's reach. Its eyes glowed a sinister red, piercing the darkness, locking onto us. Panic seized us, a raw, primal terror that overrode all sense of reason. We turned tail and fled, driven by the overwhelming need to escape. In the years that followed, my fellow hunters, one by one, fell ill. They all succumbed to different forms of cancer, as if whatever we had encountered in that cave had marked us, cursed us. I am the sole survivor, carrying the memory of that terrifying encounter. The records of our hunting expedition were lost, probably destroyed, leaving no trace of our encounter with the unknown. But I know what we saw, what we experienced. It was real, as real as the deaths of my fellow hunters, as real as the fear that still haunts me. A few years back, my two friends and I embarked on a casual hike to a well-known spot in our area. It was a stunning 150-foot waterfall, a rewarding sight after an uphill trek of about 45 minutes. This particular day, instead of heading directly to the waterfall, we decided to go bouldering around its base. The area was brimming with intriguing rock formations and tranquil pools formed by the waterfall's runoff. This bouldering trail was off the beaten path, not something many hikers ventured onto from the main trail. As we navigated the rocky landscape, we came across a chilling sight, a young woman, just 22 years old, lying face down in the mud. Both her legs were grotesquely broken bone piercing through skin and what were clearly compound fractures. She had no cell phone, no water, no food, and no means to keep warm. Immediately, 
We dialed 911 and shared our limited supplies with her while we waited for help to arrive. It felt like ages before we heard the distant thrum of a helicopter. Soon, a rescue team swooped in, securing her for transport and flying her off to the nearest hospital. Later, we learned the harrowing details of her story. The previous night, she had been hiking with a friend when they both plummeted from the waterfall. Her friend, attempting to seek help, unfortunately succumbed to his injuries less than 100 yards from where we discovered the young woman. No one knew of their accident, her injuries, or even their presence in that part of the trail. The thought of what she endured during those 20 agonizing hours alone in the wilderness still sends chills down my spine. It was nothing short of a miracle that she survived. Our decision to veer off the main trail that day. It turned out to be a life-saving one. Addison, Waller County, Texas. The one my buddies and I came across on April 15th near Katy, Texas, while cutting through Morton Road between 362 and Durkin Road had amber-looking eyes. It was around 11.30 p.m. when we cut through Morton Road. We back out of that dirt road so fast and then drove south on Durkin and the left onto Royal Road while the entire time looking over to the open field with our spotlight and the one rifle in the truck. Once we made a right onto 362 and headed south, we began feeling a bit more relaxed. We then took it all the way south to 359 and then made a left on Highway 90 and didn't stop till we made it to our friend's house on Katy. We were coming from Pattison, Texas where one of my other friends live. We also like to go through that patch on Morton Road during the day because it is like off-roading and who doesn't like that. We originally thought of heading to Royal High School on Royal Road and decorating its grounds with beer cans but we instead decided to turn left and off-road at night when we drove past Morton Road. It is the reason why we were so chilled about coming across what we thought was a large dog till it turned around and stood on two legs and growled at us. Its growl was deep but low, it rattled the entire truck. One of my friends told me that the only thing they remember was the sound it made while breathing which was that of a horse. My buddy's truck is lifted and usually when I stand in front of the hood, it is around the high part of my chest, I'm 5 feet 8, but when this thing stood up, you could see most of the waist area so it had to be taller than me. I can't give an exact measurement because I just don't know. All I know is that it wasn't a bear. I've seen black bears before. The spotlight caught it and it looked like my buddy's German Shepherd and or its Malligator with amber looking eyes. Maybe it was a big Kai dog or Koi wolf or a bear with mange, but it was pretty tall and wide. It happened so quick that I just. I'm having a hard time being eligible with my thoughts here. Sorry about that. So we put it in reverse and got the bell out of there and drove all the way to Katie without stopping anywhere. Then we barricaded ourselves in it with AR-15 and shotguns and just sat there in the middle of the dark with our backs to each other for the rest of the night. We didn't leave the house till midday on Sunday to check the dashboard camera which had recorded over the entire incident the previous night. Our cell phones recorded nothing but jumble and my buddy's dog wouldn't come near the truck as it kept whimpering around it with its tail behind its legs. The dashboard camera recorded over all the data on Sunday. We went trough it and it was from when the truck was parked at our friend's house. 
The cell phone quality was so bad we erased it. I dropped my phone on the floor of the truck and didn't find it till Sunday afternoon. It is not something we were planning for like most of the videos you see on the web. Monday morning came around and we all call in sick because we refused to get out of the house till the sun was out. This obviously upset our family members, parents, who thought we were being irresponsible and we finally grew the courage to return to Morton Road on Monday afternoon. Six trucks enter Morton Road off Durkin Road with high-powered semi-assault weapons, shotguns and hunting rifles. We didn't find any tracks either which is weird because it had rained heavy the past few days so the ground was soft and there was standing water on Morton Road. The only thing we found was this perverse stench like something had died mixed with metallic smell, blood, and urine, ammonia. The dogs we brought with us, two German Shepherds, one Malligator and one Doberman were all whimpering nervously around the site like they didn't want to be there. After the incident, I have spent the rest of April just reading everything I could about dogman encounters. My other three friends don't want to talk about it either and one broke up with his girlfriend of three years because he just refused to spend the weekend hiking with her through the attic's reservoir hiking trails. They got back together after we were able to get him to open up about it, but I'm the only one that has put this on the web. It has been a month and I still refuse to be out later than sundown. I don't leave the house early in the morning anymore to go to the gym at 5 am. In fact I have changed my life around completely and that includes no more before bed walks at night with the dog. I have installed security bars on all my first floor windows, added spotlights to my entire home and places better security cameras. I also no longer drive trough country roads even during the day, especially by myself because I feel exposed. Last week I refused to go fishing on the Brazos River and turned down heading for the weekend to Lake Conroe. I've always wanted to go fishing at the end of East Matagorda Bay, but to get there one would have to off-road on a 4x4 west from Matagorda Beach on a dirt trail for about 15 miles. Yet after this experience I no longer feel safe. I just want to go back to being ignorant about the things that go bumping about at night. As a park ranger, I had always felt more connected to the great outdoors than I ever did to the confines of a house. So, when I decided to fully embrace the wilderness and move into the woods, it felt like a natural transition. I packed my old camping equipment and set up a small camp amidst the rustling trees and the silent whispers of nature. It was like coming home. In the beginning, everything was as it should be, peaceful, serene, and full of life. However, the tranquility started to crack when I began encountering a series of strange occurrences. I found a line of dead squirrels, their small bodies lifeless and eerily arranged in a straight line. It was unsettling, to say the least, but I chalked it up to some predator's strange behavior. Nighttime, however, began to bring its own set of horrors. Strange sounds echoed through the otherwise silent woods, a cacophony of unsettling sounds that seemed to be getting closer with each passing night. I felt watched, my every move traced by unseen eyes in the darkness. One particular night, when the sounds seemed closer than ever, I grabbed my flashlight to investigate. However, as if in a cruel twist of fate, it flickered and died the moment I switched it on. It never worked again after that. 
The 15th day marked a shift in my wilderness experience. Beside the stream where I collected water, I discovered large, oddly shaped footprints. Unlike any animal tracks I'd seen before, these footprints sent a chill down my spine and further heightened my growing sense of dread. The nights that followed were filled with more disturbances. Whimpers and growls echoed outside my tent, growing louder with each passing night. Mornings brought a strange smell, an unfamiliar, disturbing scent that lingered around my camp. Fear started consuming me. Each night, I lay wide awake in my tent, my heart pounding in my chest, praying for sleep to take me away from the terror that gripped me. I avoided investigating the noises, the fear of what I might find far outweighed my curiosity. The climax of my ordeal came when I finally saw it, a creature unlike anything I'd ever seen, lurking in the woods. The sight was so horrifying that it drove me to the brink of madness. I ended up in a government psychiatric facility, my mind filled with the haunting image of the creature, my words a frantic rave about my encounter in the woods. That, I suppose, is where my story as a park ranger living in the woods ends. So my town is surrounded by a creek. A few blocks away is a cliff. I walked to the cliff and began exploring in the woods. I was only 12 at the time and alone, by the way I'm a girl. Basically I was extra vulnerable. I was climbing down rocks taking pictures making my way to the large creek below. I found a waterfall with a pipe over it so I crawled on the pipe walking over the waterfall. I noticed graffiti and beer cans so I knew people had previously been there. I felt safe and comfortable. It was bright as day so I had no worries. I also found a cement hut in the middle of the woods which was creepy. I was making my way out when I decided that I wanted to take some more photos of the forest. So I went under this huge rock to take more photos when all of a sudden it sounded like people yelping I got a little scared but continued to take pictures. I crawled across the pipe over the waterfall again to get pictures. This pipe was about 15 feet above the waterfall but if I fell onto the waterfall I would have fell another 5 feet and probably drowned. So what I was doing was really risky. No one would have been there to help me. As I was taking a video of the waterfall while standing on the pipe I hear two men making their way over to my location. I got so scared I almost shit my pants. Then one of them yells who the F is that. My 12 year old little bitch ass ran so fast out of those woods you couldn't even imagine the problem was I had to make my way up over huge rocks. I was getting so tired and nervous I could barely breath. Once I was out of the woods I still had to run 3 to 4 blocks home. When I got home I drank half a glass of juice. Almost made myself throw up. Never going in the woods again. It was an otherwise typical day on the trail. I was hiking with a few friends, enjoying the fresh air, the bird songs, and the rustle of leaves beneath our boots. We were making our way through a particularly scenic part of the trail when we encountered an elderly woman. She was in her 70s, leaning on a walking stick, her face weathered but shining with a warm smile. Oh, well hello again. She greeted us, her voice a cheerful chirp. We exchanged confused glances among ourselves. None of us recognized her. 
We'd been hiking for hours and hadn't come across any other hikers. Perhaps she was a bit senile, we reasoned, mistaking us for other hikers she had met earlier. We returned her greeting and continued on our way, the encounter quickly fading from our thoughts as we immersed ourselves back in our journey. About half an hour later, we were winding our way through a dense grove of pine trees when we spotted the same elderly woman coming towards us on the trail. She was still moving in the opposite direction, her walking stick tapping rhythmically against the rocky path. This time, she simply said, hi, as she passed us, that same warm smile on her face. We stopped in our tracks, exchanging bewildered looks. It was physically impossible for her to have gotten ahead of us on the trail. She had been moving in the opposite direction both times we encountered her, and there were no shortcuts or intersecting paths she could have taken. Was it possible that we had experienced a temporal anomaly of some sort? A wormhole or a rip in the fabric of time, perhaps? The explanation seemed ludicrous, yet the reality of our encounter was undeniable. That night, as we sat around our campfire, we discussed the strange incident. We came up with all sorts of theories, from the plausible to the downright absurd. Yet, we couldn't shake off the feeling that we had experienced something extraordinary, something inexplicable. The next morning, we packed up and continued our hike, half expecting to encounter the elderly woman again. But we never saw her for the rest of our journey. The memory of that day, however, has remained etched in our minds, a mysterious encounter on a lonely trail that turned an ordinary hike into an unforgettable adventure. In the spring or summer of 2003, 2004, or 2005, right after my retirement at the end of 2002, I started volunteering with the Leon County, Florida Red Cross. We had just received a federal-slash-state grant to assess the readiness of neighboring counties for any potential terrorist attacks. On these assessment trips, Red Cross personnel and volunteers, usually 10 to 20 of us, would travel in a rented Greyhound bus to the designated county. Our usual departure time was around 8 a.m. from Leon County. One particular morning, we were traveling east along I-10. I found myself seated alone, slightly behind the middle of the bus on the right side, next to the window. I wasn't engaged in any activities, not reading, not listening to anything, nor conversing with anyone. As we journeyed through either eastern Jefferson County or western Madison County, my attention was caught by an airplane overtaking the bus from behind. It was a substantial jet airliner, although I couldn't recall any specific markings. The strange thing was, it seemed to be descending as if preparing to land. However, I knew there were no airports in that vicinity that could accommodate a plane of that size. Behind a tree line, the plane was fully visible due to the absence of any underbrush. I prepared myself for the worst, expecting a crash. However, as our bus advanced, leaving the plane behind, I neither saw nor heard any signs of a crash. It was perplexing, given that we were close enough to hear an explosion had one occurred. I looked around the bus, but no one else appeared to have noticed the peculiar incident. Everyone was engaged in their own activities, reading, chatting, or simply lost in their own thoughts. I chose not to share what I'd witnessed, 
not wanting to cause any unnecessary alarm. Later that evening, I recounted the incident to my husband and kept an eye on the news to see if there had been any reports of a plane crash in the area. My husband, however, didn't have much to say. I suppose he didn't want to offend me by suggesting that I might have been hallucinating. But I knew what I saw, and it remains an unexplained mystery to this day. It was a beautiful sunny afternoon, and I decided to take my young children to a nearby cave for a little adventure. The cave was a popular spot, known for its stunning stalactites and stalagmites, but on this day... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We were lucky to have the place to ourselves. The cave was spacious and airy, allowing plenty of sunlight to filter in, illuminating our path. We made our way through, splashing in the occasional puddle, pointing out interesting rock formations, and echoing our voices off the cavernous walls. The cave tunnel took about 30 minutes to traverse and ended in a small, narrow exit. However, due to the muddy conditions, we decided to turn around and head back the way we had come. About halfway back through the cave, I noticed something unusual. There was a candle, burning brightly, placed about 8 feet up on one side of the cave wall. My heart skipped a beat. I was certain it hadn't been there when we first passed through. I felt a surge of protective instinct. There was likely someone else in the cave, hidden in the shadows. I quickly gathered my children close, keeping them between myself and the cave wall. I tried to appear calm, not wanting to alarm them. As we cautiously moved forward, my eyes strained to penetrate the dimness, searching for any sign of movement. And then, just as we were nearing the mouth of the cave, we saw it. Silhouetted against the sunlight streaming in from the entrance was a massive figure, easily over 8 feet tall. It was covered in thick, matted hair from head to toe, and it stood on two legs like a man, but its arms were much longer, reaching almost to its knees. For a moment, it stood there, unmoving, seemingly a surprise to see us as we were to see it. I realized then that we were staring at a creature of legend, a Bigfoot. The moment passed, and the creature turned, disappearing into the dense forest surrounding the cave entrance. We hurried out into the daylight, our hearts pounding. We didn't stop moving until we had put a good distance between ourselves and the cave. Even now, years later, we still talk about that day, the day we ventured into a cave and came face to face with a creature from our wildest imaginations. It was a sighting that transformed an ordinary outing into an extraordinary memory. Years ago I lived in a forest in a tiny house with a flat roof. It might sound unbelievable as in horror movies but close to our house was a land with housing for people in bad mental condition. 
As a social worker I'm not scared because of it at all and I think it's really nice we were all lucky to live in the middle of beautiful nature. One night I was home alone. I drank my drink and smoked my smoke, oh those days, when I heard something walking over the roof of the house. First a louder boof like a jump, some weird running around. That over and over and over. I like fantasy, thrillers, splatter, sci-fi. But believe me, not when you feel like you're in the middle of that. It was hard to escape the sound, I didn't want to go outside in the deepest night. So I laid under my blanket, hoping it would stop, or I would fall asleep. But I couldn't. Then I heard the blinds and realized I left my window open. I started to hear my heart beat in my head. Then some scratching behind the TV. Even though my lights were still on, you kept my eyes powerfully shut. And then there was that one moment I thought, I can lay here waiting to get murdered, or at least do my best and scare back. I crawled out under my blanket, took my guitar as some sort of damaging baseball bat and shuffled towards the TV. I heard the scratching and saw water coming out under the TV table. Whatever that was behind the TV was about to get squished between the wall and my guitar. I did a cone in the barbarian pose and pressed the guitar behind my TV to be shocked with the most terrible scream ever. I froze. And there he was. A big fat red cat finally flew next to my head, towards the blinds straight out of the window. I never knew I could be this retarded. They should have brought me to the land for people in bad mental condition. This happened back in 2018, but it still frightens me whenever I think about it. Me and a friend wanted to hang out, we come from a very small boring town with not much to do. We decided that we wanted to eat at Chipotle then walk over to the only shopping center available in our town. The walk to the shopping center wasn't bad, Chipotle was about 5 minutes away and the overall area is pretty safe. Me and my friend were walking along the sidewalk that connects all the shops, but we were on the less populated side near a bookstore with lots of overgrown woods and grass surrounding the back of the building. We were goofing around taking stupid photos like freshman girls do when an older couple drove up to us in a van. The woman driving said I just wanted to let you know that strange man parked over there has been following you around and it seemed like he was taking photos. We looked not far across the lot and saw a single van parked purposely secluded from other cars with a man staring right at us. He didn't even try to hide the fact that he was clearly singling us out. We were 14 and 15 at the time, so neither of us had a license, we had gotten dropped off by a parent. We told the woman, thank you and immediately started sprinting into Target since that was the area with the most people. We sat in the food court area and waited to get picked up. While we were sitting there we noticed the man who was watching us had followed us inside the store and was standing alone in front of the woman's restroom awkwardly fidgeting. I'm not one to judge but since he was clearly up to no good. He was older and the definition of a creep. He looked dirty and was wearing an oversized outfit. Luckily we were safe and we were extremely thankful for the woman that warned us. I couldn't even count the amount of times we thanked her. I don't even like to think about what could have happened if that woman didn't warn us and we didn't go inside that target. In the year 2023, 
I found myself camping alone in the woods, a place where I sought peace and solitude. My first few nights were rather peaceful, marked only by the typical sounds of nature. But one morning, I woke up to the sight of my campsite in utter chaos. My fire pit was scattered, wood and ash strewn about haphazardly, and my favorite log split in two. The worst part, however, was the monstrous footprint left in the ash, a chilling reminder of something inhuman. Despite the unease, I decided to venture deeper into the woods. I chose a small clearing surrounded by a dense patch of trees and shrubs, which offered some semblance of safety. I hoped that this move would be the end of the strange occurrences, but I couldn't have been more wrong. On my first night in the new spot, I woke up around midnight, nature calling. The air was buzzing with an energy I couldn't quite place, and a sense of dread hung heavy in the air. But, sleep dazed and needing to relieve myself, I stepped out of the tent. As I did, I heard a whimpering sound from behind, the same sound I'd heard nights before. I turned around slowly, and there it was. A tall, thin figure was standing in the moonlight, its head bowed, revealing a face unlike anything I'd seen. Its body was eerily contorted, and its limbs twisted in a way that seemed to defy the laws of anatomy. The pale skin under the moonlight was hairless and sickly, and the rotten smell in the air confirmed my worst fears. This was the creature responsible for the footprint and the chaos at my previous campsite. Suddenly, it looked up. Its eyes were a burning red, filled with an anger and intensity that made my blood run cold. In an instant, it was on me, slashing its claws across my chest. The pain was immediate and intense, and blood soaked my clothes. In a fit of rage, the creature hurled me against a nearby tree, the impact breaking my ribs and blurring my vision. Somehow, I managed to escape and stumbled my way to the ER, arriving at 4 a.m., drenched in blood and babbling about the creature in the woods. The terror of that night still haunts me, a vivid reminder of the horrifying cryptid that lurks in the shadows of the woods. I've spent various stretches of time backpacking and camping throughout the US and seen some strange things. My brother and I came across an abandoned trailer town, of sorts, that scared the hell out of us. We also came across a rundown town, really, really small, out in New Mexico that seemed to have one person living in it. We based that on the fact that there was still some food and supplies there that were fairly fresh, perhaps just a few days old. Spent a couple days there trying to find the person, just to find out why they were staying in the town. Never found a person. We found the skeletal remains of an unknown number of deer, ranging from bucks to fawn ensnared in a barbed wire fence that encompassed a 10 by 10 area in the Ozarks. A few of the skulls topped the fence posts, and there was one post in the middle of this area that had decaying deer bodies, looked to be two, but there were only six hooves jutting out of the wreckage, wrapped around it. We found a dummy hanging from a tree while in the Yukon territory of Canada. Literally out in the middle of the woods. No reason for it, as far as we know. And we also came across a dead junkie on a road out of Olympia. Obvious OD, as he had his arm tied and a needle in hand. Eyes were glazed over and staring straight ahead, mouth slightly ajar. 
In the summer of 2023, I embarked on a backpacking trip in Yellowstone National Park, an adventure that would lead me to an eerie discovery. We were hiking high above the tree line, approximately 10,500 feet up, on a ridge overlooking a tranquil, secluded lake. The view was breathtaking, the pristine beauty of nature as far as the eye could see. As we trekked along the ridge, something unusual caught my eye, standing out starkly against the rocky terrain. There, in the middle of nowhere, was a horse skull. No body, just the skull, bleached white by the sun, its hollow eye socket staring into oblivion. It was a macabre but fascinating sight, and I couldn't help but wonder about the story behind it. We pressed on, reaching our campsite which was a short distance away from the lake, near the location where we'd found the horse skull. The day's hike had been long and strenuous, so we decided to descend to the lake for a refreshing swim. However, as we approached the water's edge, we were met with a gruesome scene that froze us in our tracks. There, rotting at the edge of the lake, was the body of the horse, its flesh decaying and bones protruding in a grotesque display. The sight was profoundly disturbing, but what was even more bizarre was the sight of negative film strips floating in the water, scattered around the shore near the decaying body. Some of the film strips had washed ashore, their images distorted and faded but still visible. The sight was eerie, to say the least, a strange and morbid juxtaposition of life and death. It was as if we had stumbled upon the remnants of some dark, unsolved mystery. The horse skull, the decaying body, the negative film strips, all were pieces of a puzzle that seemed to defy understanding. That night, as we huddled around our campfire, the image of the horse skull and the decaying body haunted me. The lake, which had earlier seemed so serene, now felt like an enigma, its still waters holding on to a secret that we had inadvertently disturbed. The sight of the negative film strips, each one holding a snapshot of an unknown story, only added to the mystery. I often find myself reflecting on that day, the memory etched in my mind. The horse skull, the decaying body, the negative film strips, all served as a stark reminder of the unexpected and often inexplicable things one can encounter while venturing into the wilderness. It had been a year since the hunting trip that changed my friend's life. As a former US Marine, he was someone I'd always admired for his resilience and strength, so when he went missing in the wilderness, it struck fear into all of us who knew him. We were hunting in the mountains, a group of us. It was meant to be a boy's weekend, a chance to bond and let off some steam. But then, he got lost. We heard his panicked voice over the radio, increasingly delirious, speaking of being pursued by a terrifying creature. He was hiding, he said, in a crevice in the mountainside, too scared to move, eat, or drink. We found him days later, severely dehydrated and in a state of extreme fear. His recovery was slow, and the trauma from his ordeal was so severe that he was admitted to a psychiatric facility. A year later, he reached out. I noticed he was on anti-anxiety medication and he never ventured out at night. It was clear the experience had deeply scarred him. One night, over a few drinks at his home, he finally opened up about his harrowing experience. The details were chilling. 
He spoke of the first night alone in the mountains, of a guttural growl that filled him with dread, of feeling watched. His flashlight and radio had stopped working, leaving him blind and isolated. In his panic, he ran until he found a small crevice in the mountainside where he hid. His description of the creature was something straight out of a horror film, a seven-foot-tall, almost human figure with thin, wrongly jointed limbs. Its skin was pale, like it had been rotting, and its eyes. They were a fierce, burning red. On the second day, while the creature was absent, his radio had briefly sprung back to life, and he had been able to call for help. But after that night, he refused to confirm or deny his story. I've been researching since then, trying to understand the mystery, haunted by his tale, by the lingering smell of rotting flesh at the rescue site, and the eerie feeling of being watched. Despite the fear, there's a part of me that needs to know, that wants to understand what he went through. But sometimes, late at night, when the shadows dance on my walls, I can't help but wonder if there are some things better left unknown. Backpacking has always been my way of connecting with nature, and my trip to New Hampshire was no different. The lush, verdant trails, the crisp mountain air, and the sense of tranquility that comes with being away from the city's hustle and bustle were all I needed for a perfect getaway. After a long day of hiking, my friends and I set up camp for the night. We had found a nice spot by a small stream, its soft gurgling the perfect lullaby for the cold night ahead. As the others started to set up the fire, I decided to wander off for a bit to answer nature's call. I moved away from the warm light of our fire, the cool, pine-scented air nipping at my cheeks. As I walked, my flashlight revealed an odd formation on the ground. It was a circle, carefully etched into the earth. Surrounding it were tuning forks, standing erect like silent sentinels guarding a sacred site. The sight of it sent a chill down my spine. It looked like something straight out of a horror film, some eerie ritual circle. Unease seeped into my heart, turning my blood cold. I quickly finished my business and hurried back to the comfort and safety of our campfire. As I returned, I couldn't shake off the sense of unease. I kept glancing back over my shoulder, half expecting to see something lurking in the shadows. That's when I saw it. In the distance, barely illuminated by the moonlight, was a tall figure. It was humanoid but grotesquely thin, its body unnaturally elongated. It moved with an eerie grace, its antlered head swaying slightly with each step. Its eyes, glowing in the dark, were locked onto me. I felt my heart lurch in my chest. A windigo. The stories I'd heard as a child about this terrifying creature flooded my mind. Paralyzed by fear, I could only stare as it moved closer. Suddenly, a loud crack from the campfire brought me back to reality. I turned and bolted towards the safety of my friends, not daring to look back. As I neared the fire, the warmth and laughter of my friends felt like a distant reality. My friends noticed my ashen face and asked what was wrong. But how could I explain it? I just shook my head and tried to laugh it off. But the image of the windigo lurking in the shadows remained etched in my mind, a chilling reminder of the mysteries and dangers that lay hidden in the heart of the wilderness.
In the deep heart of the forest, we hunters gathered around our campfire, the warmth of the flames licking our faces as we exchanged stories. Some were stories of glory, of triumphant hunts and epic battles with nature. Others were tales of terror and close calls that left us gasping for breath and grateful for another day alive. Then, without warning, our lights flickered and went out. The fire was the only source of light left, casting long, dancing shadows on our faces. The air was filled with a strange buzzing, like a swarm of a thousand bees, and a chill ran down my spine. Then came a growl. It was not the growl of a bear or a wolf, but something far more sinister. It was an eerie, guttural sound that made the hair on the back of my neck stand on end. A sense of dread washed over us, as palpable as the wave of putrid air that followed. The smell was nauseating, like rotting flesh, and we could only stare at each other, wide-eyed and silent in the glow of the dwindling fire. Then, the silence was shattered by a bone-chilling shriek. It echoed around us, bouncing off the trees and rocks, and I could feel my blood run cold. I squinted into the darkness, straining to see what was making these horrific sounds. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw movement at the edge of the firelight. Slowly, a figure emerged. It was tall, incredibly tall, and pale, almost glowing in the flickering firelight. Its eyes were red and devoid of any mercy, staring at us with an intensity that made my heart pound in my chest. Its body looked twisted, like a human frame that had been broken and haphazardly put back together. It was a sight that seemed to be torn straight out of a nightmare. Then, everything went black. I woke up the next morning, the sun's rays filtering through the trees. The others were waking up around me, their faces pale and eyes wide with fear. We were all terrified, and the sense of being watched, of being hunted, lingered in the air. We all remembered the same thing, the creature, the growls, the shriek. It was a horrifying encounter that had seared itself into our memories, a night of terror that we would never forget. I was once canoeing the boundary waters between Minnesota and Canada. These aren't your normal backyard ponds. The boundary waters are thousands of enormous lakes interconnected with each other, think many great lakes. We had been canoeing and camping along the lakes for about a week at this point. We didn't really have an itinerary, just planned to boat and camp, fish, and live off the land two weeks. We had a GPS and a sat phone to call a helicopter for pickup whenever we were done. Anyway, about a week in and we were set to canoe a few hours to the next lake. An hour or so in and we are in the center of an extremely long and narrow lake. Unfortunately, a storm started to blow in and the waves on the lake swelled to two plus feet. Too much for our dinky canoes. We pull off to a random clearing on the shore and set up camp in rush to avoid being totally thrashed by a rainstorm. We just set up camp and hunkered down for the night. By the next morning it had cleared up. We started walking up the coast of the lake about 200 feet from our camp looking for a good fishing spot. What we actually found was another campsite. However, it was absolutely wrecked. Trash strewn everywhere, tent collapsed and torn, clothes on the ground. At first we were just like disgusted like what assholes did this? Or left their shit out to be bare food? 
The more we looked around though, the weirder things seemed though. For one, their garbage was still hoisted into a tree to keep it safe from bears, but the whole bag was ripped open despite being 30 feet in the air. Second, literally everything except the canoes were still at the campsite. Clothes, packs, food, rope, pans, like a serious set of hiking equipment. Enough for two or three people. Half of it was trashed and torn open, mostly the packs, tent, and clothes. The other half was totally untouched but thrown on the ground. Like somebody noped the hell out of there in nothing but their long johns ditching hundreds of dollars of gear in the process. We waited a couple hours and eventually called it back to our helicopter crew, but they hadn't been aware of anybody else or gotten any distress calls. We eventually just left everything and moved camp. Everybody was pretty upset by it and a day or two later we ended the whole trip early because it seemed like nobody wanted to be out anymore. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. First thought was bear attack, but there was food left uneaten, and I've seen bear attacks on camps before, but nothing like this. Bears rip open packs and go after food, and are generally pretty easy to scare away. What still sticks with me is why all their clothes and packs were still there with half being totally destroyed and half being untouched. I still don't get it. I've done a lot of other camping and hiking, rafting and biking, all around the country and I've never had any other weird experiences like that. Me and a buddy chose some national forest in Oregon specifically for how remote it was. About a year prior a family became lost and the father was never found, although mother and child lived to tell the tale. Anyway, we set up camp around 4 pm after getting pretty deep into the woods on a mountain accessed by logging roads, maybe about 100 to 200 yards from where we parked, near a lake. Without much else to do we started a fire and cracked some beers as the sun went down. Then pickup trucks started going through the woods, slowing down when they saw our campfire. We got curious, and stupid via the beers, and went deeper into the woods seemed like a hell of a party was going on. Then we stumbled into a clearing where maybe 15 to 20 dudes were hanging around a bonfire next to a mossy run-down camper trailer. One had a pistol on his hip, another was just chillin' with a shotgun. We're like oh shit at first but someone approaches us and acts neighborly and invites us to have a beer so it seemed okay. They were joking around mostly, some talking about drugs, coke, meth, but there were some older dudes that seemed pretty tense. As this happened, four to five dudes who seemed to be standing sentry at the camper, which didn't look like it had been moved in a long time, went inside for a few minutes. When they came back out, they said we were faggots and saw us making out. Pretty quickly I got up to head back to our site, but my slower, drunker buddy took a few punches. Then he made it out and started following, and we were sprinting through the forest in the darkness, just hoping to get back to our site by spotting the glowing embers of our burnt-out fire, the whole time with gun toters in tow. We found our site, and with pretty much everything in the tent we pulled the stakes to toss it in the trunk of our car, when we hear an enraged scream only about 50 yards from us kill the faggots. So we were like F it dropped the tent and gear without even saying a word to each other, and sprinted in the direction of the car. We peeled out and thought we were good, 
but about 30 seconds later some headlights come up from behind us, and I'm like F, that's the truck that shotgun dude was chillin' at. So now we're being pursued by crazy gun toting rednecks with a superior vehicle in unfamiliar forest on unmaintained logging roads in the dark, and the only thing we can do is speed up. I remember looking at the speedometer as we approached a washed out hairpin turn and it was moving from 45 to 50 miles per hour, and the truck was tailing us pretty close, like by only a couple feet, and I was pretty sure that we were gonna slide off the cliff and die. Somehow my drunkest buddy managed to power slide that turn and get some distance between us and the tweakers and we eventually made it to a paved two lane, at which point the truck pulled off. We put it together later that the camper was a meth lab, nothing else it really could have been, deep in the forest with armed guards and shit. But yeah, resulted in a drunken high-speed night chase on unfamiliar logging roads and we nearly slid off the side of a mountain. I was admitted into a peculiar psychiatric facility in Texas due to my severe depression and uncontrolled heroin addiction. The facility, an impressive castle-like structure hidden within a dense redwood forest, was financed by my well-off parents. Ever since my stay there, I've been on a relentless quest to discover the truth about this facility. My suspicions of its involvement in MKUltra, coupled with a peculiar encounter I experienced during my stay, fuel my obsession. Despite my rigorous research, I have unearthed scant information about this enigmatic institution, save for its location and a brief article about its inauguration in the 1940s. My parents, perhaps wanting to bury the past, have remained tight-lipped about the facility, leaving me in the dark. The primary reason behind my persistent investigation lies in a disturbing encounter I had within the facility's boundaries. Despite the facility's stringent surveillance, I distinctly recall wandering into the forest at midnight, under the eerie glow of a full moon. I remember following some inexplicable presence until I reached a clearing. It was there that I saw it, a towering figure, draped in shadows with a gaunt, almost skeletal figure, and skin as pale and translucent as moonlight. At first, I thought it was a hallucination, a side effect of the potent medication they had me on. But then it turned towards me, revealing deep-set eyes that shone a brilliant red in the moonlight. I was petrified frozen in place by an overwhelming sense of dread that washed over me. The creature was unlike anything I'd ever seen, more akin to a Sasquatch from folklore than any animal known to man. Even now, I'm unsure if that encounter was a hallucination brought on by my medication, or if I had been an unwitting participant in some MK Ultra experiment. The memory of that eerie encounter and the creature's terrifying gaze continue to permeate my nightmares driving my obsession to uncover the truth about the facility and what I experienced there. I am Josh, a park ranger stationed in the beautiful Yosemite National Park. It has always been my dream to protect and preserve the natural wonders of this place. Little did I know that one fateful night would forever change my perception of the park. It was a calm evening and I was patrolling the vast wilderness, keeping a watchful eye on the park's visitors. As I made my rounds, I noticed an unusual stillness in the air, as if nature itself was holding its breath. 
I couldn't shake off the eerie feeling that something was amiss. As I continued my patrol, I stumbled upon a narrow path that seemed unfamiliar. Curiosity got the better of me, and against my better judgment, I decided to follow it. The path led me deeper into the heart of the park, away from the bustling crowds and into the embrace of nature's secrets. The further I walked, the thicker the air became, filled with a strange scent that sent shivers down my spine. It was an odor I had never encountered before, a putrid stench reminiscent of rotting flesh. It clung to the very fabric of the forest, making each step more unbearable than the last. Just as I was about to turn back, a silhouette emerged from the shadows, towering over me with an otherworldly presence. The figure was impossibly tall, its limbs elongated and disjointed. It stood before me, its eyes burning like hot coals in the darkness. Fear paralyzed me as I gazed into those fiery depths, feeling as if it could peer into the depths of my soul. Without warning, the figure beckoned me forward, guiding me with an unspoken invitation into a nearby cave. Reluctantly, I followed, compelled by an unknown force that I couldn't resist. The cave was a labyrinth of shadows, the air thick with the same nauseating odor that had accompanied the figure. The walls seemed to close in around me, suffocating me with an overwhelming sense of dread. Suddenly, as if releasing its grip, the figure dropped me onto the cold cave floor and vanished into the darkness. My heart raced, and I scrambled to my feet, stumbling my way out of the treacherous cavern. I emerged back into the night, gasping for breath and covered in cold sweat. The figure was gone, leaving only lingering questions and an indescribable sense of unease. Little did I know that while I was entangled in that surreal encounter, my father was battling his own demons. News reached me that very night, as I emerged from the depths of the cave, that my father had suffered a fatal stroke. The world around me seemed to collapse, and grief consumed my every thought. Since that night, I have been plagued by the memories of that encounter and the untimely loss of my father. Yosemite, once a place of solace and wonder, has become a haunting reminder of the strange and unexplained. I continue my duties as a park ranger, but the shadows now hold a deeper meaning, and the unknown lurks just beyond the reach of my understanding.